You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget right here on Moody Radio 89.3. Well, at the start of this new year, we thought it'd be great to get the wisdom, advice, perspective from Susan Alexander Yates. She's recently written a blog post called Eight Things Wise Parents Do to Build Their Family. She's a mom to five, grandmother to 21, and wife to her pastor husband, John, for over 50 years. Susan, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us once again. Oh, Bridget, it's great to be with you and Eric. Thank you for asking me. Uh, you call it wise parents. I find that I'm some clumsy parent, maybe, is a way to put it. Uh, <laughs> unwise. I'm constantly asking for the Holy Spirit to fill me with wisdom because I feel like I'm messing up a lot. Oh, we do. You know, that's one of the big things. We feel like we mess up and we are afraid we're going to fail. But guess what? We are. <laughs> and that's why we need God's redemption and His guidance. Yeah, you say that God really uh, dropped a phrase in your heart that helped alleviate some of that anxiety and that concern. Well, it is so true, Bridget. I, With five children, I felt like I was such a failure as a mother so much of the time. And I remember one time when I felt like I had particularly ruined one of my children. And as I was just lamenting over this, I feel like God gave me a phrase that has really carried me through the years of parenting and grandparenting, and this is what it was. Susan, your ability to ruin your child is not nearly as great as God's power to redeem him or her. And over and over I have had to remember this because I think sometimes we give more power to our failures, which we all have, than to the power of God to redeem. Well, you've given some steps here. We're hoping to get through all eight. We'll see what we can do. It's going to take a little bit of a, a, a fly-through. So if you want the article, it is available at our website, ericandbridget.org, Eight Things Wise Parents Do to Build Their Families. And one of the things, the first thing you say is, agree on those priorities that you have. This is true. And, you know, the beginning of the year is a great time for a couple just to go away on a date and ask two questions. What are our priorities for our family for this coming year? And then how can we implement these? What we struggle with today in our culture is that there are so many good options that can tear families apart unintentionally. And it's important for the husband and wife to have a common vision. Our vision for our kids, is always, for our family, has always been that they would love the Lord and that they would love each other. And it's just based on the two great commandments. So that's a place to start. How can we implement in our family this year, given the ages of our kids and our situation, a time of growth where we're growing in the Lord and then we're growing in serving others, beginning with our family? Yeah, that is priority. Or tip number two is to determine to grow in your faith. I think you say a lot about that there. So number three, you also say, is to be firm and and discipline, but we don't want to discipline with that one key ingredient, which is? Grace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, discipline and grace are not opposites. They're different ends of a seesaw. I think it's helpful to look at it like a seesaw. And we need to balance discipline with grace. And just very practically, it's really best to be firm in the early years and then loosen up as your kids get older. And too often, parents placate little children, especially the strong-willed ones, because they overwhelm us. And then we come down too hard in the teen years. 
But it needs to be just the opposite. If you're very clear with expectations and follow through with discipline in the early years, your kids will learn that you are reliable. It gives them security. You're the boss, not the child. So I encourage you to be very firm in the early years and then begin to loosen up as they grow. And resist trying to bail your kids out when they get in trouble. They need to learn that their actions have consequences. So you don't bail them out. Instead, you show grace by walking through their punishment with them and helping them see that this is not a lifelong failure, but this is a failure that God can redeem. Mm. Let me just say as we work through these that today could be day one. If you if you feel like, oh, I've messed up my child's 16 and you know she's saying start early or whatever – uh, make today day one and, and move forward from here and pray for that grace in your own life, and your own parenting life. And I think that's helpful as we step into this fourth character. It's a stressing character over accomplishments or success. You might have failed at that, but today can be day one to work on that, right? Right. And I love your phrase, day one, Eric, because it's never too late to do what's right. Never too late to do what's right. And God can always redeem. And he's always working even when we can't see it. And one of the struggles, again, that we have in our culture is that success has become an idol. And the way this plays out is if your child succeeds, you must be the best parent. So really, this is simply parental peer pressure. And God is really actually more concerned with character than he is with success. And we should be, too. So how do, what does this look like? Praise your kids for accomplishment, but, and this is a big but, Make sure that the bulk of your praise is for developing character traits. For example, to a young teenager, thank you for offering to help with the dishes. You are growing in thoughtfulness. <laughs> you might have have a shock, as they do, but it's important that we praise them for developing character. Or I'm proud of you for sharing that toy with your sister. That's kindness. And, you know, along with this, there's a struggle in over-committing to outside activities because, again, the pressure to succeed, we want one more trophy. And we have to ask ourselves as parents, is it more important that we sign our child up for one more sport or music lesson, etc., or is it more important that we limit activities in this new year in order to have a family dinner together all together? And in the long run, what will matter most, a trophy gathering dust on a closet shelf or close-knit family who built friendships over a family meal. We're not building for a career or for a success in a sporting event. We're building for an eternity, and I think that's important, isn't it? Oh, that's crucial, and and that's the bottom line, what you've just said. Mm-hmm. We are talking with Susan Alexander Yates with this wisdom that we can have as we build our families. And one of the things you say is to kind of bring in others for the for the process, for the journey, and to expose our kids to other solid believers. Yeah, and this is particularly important in the teen years, Bridget. Our children need to be around mature Christian believers where we are not. And in this season, they're more likely to respond to sharp, faithful young adults than to us. And one of the things is, is it's just January now, but we're thinking towards summers. I would encourage parents to use your summers wisely. Mission trips, Christian camps, again, exposure, exposure. Um, have some young adults from your church or your community who are strong in their faith to lunch, to dinner, and ask them to share their faith story. 
again, our kids will be apt as they hit these teen years in particular to hear things from someone who's not their mom or dad. And, you know, this is where grandparents can really come in. Most of my grandchildren are now teenagers, and I can get away with saying things to them that if their mom or dad said it, they would just roll their eyes. So exposure is a key word, a key concept to keep in mind as we raise our kids. You have listed there uh, one of your favorite youth ministry resources, rootedministry.com. Again, that's also in this article. You can check that out at ericandbridget.org. You uh, next say, number six, is to uh, be quick to say, and this this hurts, but okay, I, I will do it anyway. Be quick to say, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Oh, yes. And I think, <laughs> really, um, this is probably the most important ingredient in marriage, Um we are going to hurt one another, and we need to own up to it. I can't tell you how many times I've had to go to my husband and to my kids and say, I shouldn't have done so-and-so, or I shouldn't have said so-and-so, and I need to ask you to forgive me. I can't remember a single time when I felt like doing that. And I would much rather have said, but if you had or but if you hadn't. We go to one another, Eric, out of obedience, not out of feeling. And sometimes it will take time for trust to be restored and feelings to be healed. But that healing can't begin until we go to one another, owning up our own sin and asking for forgiveness. And we have to keep in mind the long-term view. One day our kids, many of them, will be married, and they're going to need to learn how to forgive their spouse and how to ask for forgiveness. And If they aren't experiencing this in their home, how are they going to know how to do it when they're married themselves? I don't think I would do this with my kids, but with my spouse, my wife, I say, please, uh, I'm sorry I did this, whatever, but I have blinders. And if I do this again, let me know. I'm open to that criticism, I guess. That's that's an important thing, important step, I think, sometimes, because we don't we, we do have those blinders on. We do, and your spouse knows them better than anyone else. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. Yes, and so asking for that definitely is is helpful and and a a step of humility that we need to take. But, And you also say that for the number seven tip here, we want to raise others-centered instead of me-centered kids. So how do we do that? Well, again, culture is hitting us with faults lies, you know, that our goal is to take care of yourself, to be happy. Our primary goal as parents is to make sure your child is always happy. And nothing could be further from the truth, because God says that we are to care for others. And so we have to really be careful that we aren't buying into the culture that says, make me happy, make me happy. And one of the ways to do this is to have a chat with your children about this, What does culture say and what does God say? And if you have elementary age kids, you could ask the question, who's a child in your class that might be lonely? How could you reach out to him today? Corral your children and and mow a lawn or clear snow for an elderly labor, an elderly neighbor. Um, Cook a meal for an overwhelmed young mother. Visit a nursing home. Serve in a soup kitchen. Go on a family missions trip. Volunteer in the inner city. When your kids protest that they don't have time, simply say, this is one of our family core values. This is what we do. And so we need to give them very practical ways to care for others. Mm. 
We've already committed as a family to clear all the snow from all all of our neighbors' roadways uh, for the w- rest of this winter. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know you don't have snow in Florida. <laughs> so generous. We've done you. a good job so far. Uh-huh. All right. I'll last, you have. <laughs> lastly, you say, and this is a phrase, boy, I'm just not familiar with, guard against overparenting. What's overparenting? Well, overparenting is something that's easy to fall into, yes. again, in today's world. And it's really easy for um, Christian parents to fall into this, because we're so desperate that our kids turn out right. Mm. And and often it's really apparent in families with financial means to help make this happen, or connections to make this happen. And what that means is we become too involved in a child's life. A dad plans for his son to go into politics, as he has, and another to maybe become a pro athlete, because that was his dream. And so what this parent does is the parent opens the door to enable this to happen and often providing necessary funds and in a myriad of other ways pushing the child. And what happens is the message the child gets is, I can't do this on my own. I'm not capable. My parent will do this for me. And we are seeing more and more of this dangerous thing in today's world than ever before. Because what this does is it hampers the emotional development, it limits confidence, and it retards emotional growth in our children. And instead, our our role as parents is to say, I am confident you can do this. This is your decision. You need to go and get a job and raise money to do this, or you need to go and make your own appointments. Raising our kids to be independent and being one, a parent who backs them, will help them become the people that God has created them to be. Whereas if you're the one always stepping in to make it happen, you're going to retard them emotionally, and you're going to make them insecure because they will look at themselves and say, I can't do this. I We'll have to have dad or mom do it for me. Mm, There is a sweet spot, though, there, because I do think we also need to guard against underparenting, if that makes sense, because we um, tend to let them make too many decisions and we don't step forward as a parent and say, no, 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 this is what we do as a family. So there's the underparenting also. There's a sweet spot somewhere in there that needs to be present. Yeah, again, I think it's helpful to think of a seesaw, and you know how you get two kids on a seesaw, and the trick is to move up or back on each end of the seesaw Mm -hmm. until you're balancing in the middle, and I think that's just a metaphor for doing this. We need to balance in our encouragement for them and helping them, but then move back when we need to. So you're right, there is a sweet spot. Well, this is just one of the helpful articles that Susan Alexander Yates has at her website. She also has some books there. You talked about summer. There's a cousin camp encouragement there that's great for the summer as well as you plan. So we've got those links helpful for you at our website, ericandbridget.org. Boy, thank you for this encouragement and uh, understanding today. And we appreciate your time, Susan. Oh, thanks for having me. I always enjoy being with the two of you.